Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Check Your Six podcast. I'm Warlocker Call, covering mostly the collegiate R6 scene, but also participating in the coverage of the Pro League. And next to me that way is Syntax GG, the co-host, co-co, the co-host of Check Your Six this year. Uh, how are you doing this week? Pretty good, pretty good. Um... We're, I think we're going to start off with a little bit of Pro League, and then we're going to segue into Collegiate. All right. Um, so we had our last two play days this week. The, the first one was on uh, September 30th, and then the last one was yesterday on October 2nd. And we actually had some really interesting matches go on. Uh, as for EU, there was, there was actually three separate ties that went on in EU Pro League, and I was actually incredibly surprised to see that um ninjas in pajamas are nip for short uh against mibr that was actually a really good match i i personally thought that mibr was going to win um if you don't know what mibr is they're the former former immortals um pro league team and they got they got bought out by mibr and then aurora aura esports and then the gunners tied as well and then is a dream and then the game Lord team tied as well um, that one was surprising because I've been following Game Ward team for a while, and I thought they were going to, I thought they were going to win against Izzy Dream. Um, team Vitality beat Penta. It's not really a surprise there. Uh, team Liquid beat Elevate. That's also not a re- not a big surprise. And then yesterday we had some really interesting matches uh, in NA. So. First off, we had Rogue versus the Evil Geniuses. Now, a lot of people were actually were pretty convinced that EG was going to win based off of their their new current roster. Um, but Rogue has a very very good uh, reputation for coming back and then tying. They they don't exactly know how to close out a match this season, unfortunately. There's, you know, no offense to them. Um, Rogue guys are really awesome. Um, they're a good team, really good team. Now, Dark Zero versus TSM. Now, everyone has been... TSM has actually been kind of in a uh, controversial state right now because TSM... So, as you all know, before, right before DreamHack, TSM picked up Jarvis. They dropped Crusher, I think it was. Can you confirm that? Joe. Yeah. I I think it was they dropped Crusher. No, 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 it was Biologic. Biologic left. Um and then they picked up Jarvis to go into Dreamhack and then they went off into Dreamhack and and won the whole thing with Jarvis, which was incredible for TSM because the first big tournament they've won um with Gotcha as we talked about last week. And then a couple weeks after just before um their match yesterday EG or not, not EG. TSM decides to bench Jarvis, and everyone's kind of like, "What? In the, what in the world? Like, why would you? Why would you bench Jarvis? You know, he just helped you guys destroy, Mon- you know, DreamHack Montreal. Like, why would you bench? You know, such a good player, and he's a he's a big veteran. He's been playing for a while, and um, I don't know. I guess Gotcha decided that he. So, with the official tweet that Gotcha put out, I think it was. Um, they benched Jarvis um, because there was a problem with internal comms. And so, and 
they they discovered that problem, I guess, after a few bad scrims. So after DreamHack Montreal, they did a bunch of scrims, and I guess um, they had some pretty bad scrims, and then that's when they decided, okay, Jarvis is, is no more. So they benched him, and then they tweeted out the official, okay, we're dropping Jarvis. And so right now, Gotcha is is playing for the rest of the season for TSM, and it's been kind of a controversy because not because they dropped a Jarvis, but because Gotcha um, has been subbing in as a as a player like far too often, and a lot of people think that he's snaking um, player spots so then he can play as a player. You know, um, now I don't know the I don't I don't obviously we're not there, so we don't know the whole truth, but. Um, you know, at face value, Gotcha has subbed in as a player more times than I've in more times in one season than I have ever seen any coach ever sub in as a player, like in, in any in any situation, any instance. So it is it does look a little fishy, but I'm I'm I give Gotcha the benefit of the doubt because he's a great. Yeah, I mean that is an interesting thing. And now is that just? Maybe that they're filling in a, a gap that they've identified within their team and that they're just trying to kind of almost do a patch job until they can get a suitable replacement? Yeah, essentially. Um, yeah, they were just, they they didn't think that Jarvis was going to be a good fit for the rest of the season, um, so they just dropped him before, I guess, they could get attached to him. I mean, I mean, from a business standpoint, that's a smart decision. Um, because you know you don't want your players to develop this like relationship with the player, and then it become harder to drop that player. Um, you know, especially if it is actually a serious problem, it's better to just nip the bud, nip it right in the bud before it, uh, it develops any further. So I can absolutely get behind that. A toxic person in a game that's so tightly coordinated. If you can't trust the person to pull their weight or to talk how the team needs you to talk, like. But it's just going to drag you down, and when you have relegation on the line, when you have making sure that you're setting yourself up for success in the future, like if you escape relegation, you still have to worry about offseason, and you have to worry about any other moves going on, and you have to worry about trying to fix your situation for that next segment and that next leg of the Pro League. So having having to carry that weight for longer than you really need to, I, I give kudos to management for making that call yeah absolutely um yeah i don't i'm i think it was just a problem with uh his communication skills in game but yeah i can from a business standpoint i can totally understand the decision but now that means they really don't have like an official coach um at the same time i feel like it would be I feel like it's a little bit cheating to have like your coach as a player because you know you ha you know he's coaching, but he's also playing. So like you know he can he can coach at the same time instead of you know standing behind them and not having to say anything. Well, I mean, I guess that's interesting. What's the coach's role when a lot of the games are online as opposed to at land? Like at land, you can at least monitor coaches' behavior. What's the, is it kind of honor system? You know that's that's a good question. Um, actually, I think they're allowed to. I think they're allowed to be in in chat with them because I don't think those. I don't think um, those comms when they're playing, you know, at their own team houses, like online. I don't think they're monitored. So 
I think the coaches can be in there talking to them. Yeah, it's not like Ubisoft flies out referees to sit in each of the streaming house or the gaming houses to like watch the coach specifically. Like <laughs> that would be a little over the yeah. top. Yeah, but I would imagine that the coach really doesn't say anything during the online matches, anyways, because you know you got to play like you practice. So they probably practice not having the coach there. So then, like when they go to land, they don't, you know, they're they're used to not having the coach talking in their ear. Now, actually, um, can you can you fill me in? What's the timeout kind of policy in pro league? Because I know other esports, they have like when a team calls a timeout, you get like thirty seconds to talk, but then or if there's like an efficient timeout no one's allowed to talk so it, it, do you know those circumstances because i'm just really curious about that for online or lan online online actually i have no idea the only one i know is at lan you know they get i think it's one tactical timeout um per team and they get 30 seconds to talk to the coach that's about it I, i'm i'm gonna drill into this a little bit more because i mean it's from your perspective as a competitive player from CR6, you will understand this a little bit more. What does that 30 seconds really get you? It honestly, if if there's you know if there's a problem within the team, it can get you a lot of things. But most of the time, um, the coach during that 30 seconds tries to like reset the team. If they're like in a kind of a tilted attitude and they're getting kind of frustrated, that coach is there to you know to tell them to calm down. You know, take a breath um some some coaches rule with an iron fist and they're like you know you you, you need to step it the fuck up you know you, like you guys need to fucking play better um um but yeah that's that's usually how it goes in those 30 seconds some sort of some sort of pep talk that makes sense i mean 30 seconds you either have something very valid to say right then and there or you just gotta try and kick the engine and get it going again. I'm, I'm assuming you really only take the time out if you're noticing something going wrong or like you're on a three round slide kind of thing. Yeah. Like if you're losing multiple rounds in a row, usually they take the time out to uh, kind of reset and the coach will say like, okay, you know, this, you know, they'll, he'll address certain players like, okay, you need to do this instead of this. You know, it's minor tweaks is, is what those timeouts are for. Let's just dive into some more of the games. Which one were there any standout matches that you saw between Monday and Wednesday? Um, to be honest, none of none of the the rest of the matches weren't really a surprise. Um, Sonic's losing to Reciprocity. There's no surprise there. Um, you know, Sonic's they've been kind of underperforming this entire season. They're facing relegation. You know, they just got relegated into Pro League, and now they're about to face relegation um, at the end. So hopefully they can keep their spot and maybe um, either do some roster changes or do some serious, you know, strategy changes or, or something because it's not working. Um, I think you know the player super, their their head coach, they're finally they're they're finally looking for a coach, which doesn't make any sense because super was at the very beginning. Super was so confident in his skills. He's like, you know, we don't need a coach. I'm just as good as a coach, blah, blah, blah. And so he tried to coach the team through the season as well as being a player, which obviously isn't working based off patterns. You know, I'm not saying he's bad at it, but just looking at the numbers, it's it's not working. So they finally are, they're, they're finally looking for an official coach. 
Now, I don't know when or if they're going to hire anyone, so I guess we'll see in the future um, if that happens. Just pulled up the the notes, for, the stats from that matchup from their latest uh, match, and uh, you can see Super with that 0.5 cost, nearly the lowest on his team, so something really didn't go right that round or that map. Yeah, it's not even a point. He had a point three, point three three cost. Yeah, so they you know they all pretty much got destroyed. And honestly, it's not because they're they're bad. I'm not saying they're bad. Reciprocity is just a really good team. Laxing, Fox A, and 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 Skies are all they're all incredible players. So it's not surprising to see that Laxing and Fox A did as well as they did. Oh, sorry, I had the. Evil Geniuses matchup. That was the tie that happened. That, that was the, the 0.5 or super there. So then Sonics versus Reciprocity match. Like, yeah, that one being the 0.33. Like, that just sounds like it's a perpetual problem, at least against the caliber of teams who have been in the Pro League for longer than just getting into from relegation. Yeah. Yeah. And... There was one match that I saw. Let me see if I can find it. Um, there was one match that I saw where nobody had any plants or disables, which means the that team won purely off of just killing the other team. Like there were zero plants that went down and zero zero defuses, you know. I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, when you think that your approach to the objective or your approach to defending is just so good that you have that good of a read on your opponent that you you don't have to, like, you don't have to worry about a retake, you don't have to even go that far into your your gameplay, like, that's that's huge. Here we go. I found it. It was the, the Liquid Elevate match, um, the 7-3, Liquid 7, Elevate 3. Um, if you look at the if you look at the scoreboard, Naskin uh, Palu, I think is his name. He they both just absolutely annihilated. And if you look over, you look at the the number of plants and number of disables. It's all zero, which which means they won every single round by killing the other team. Sorry, I'm loading. Who was that? Elevate and team. Ah, oh, that's all right. That's yeah. all right. But. Yeah, the, ta- the the takeaway from that match is that um there uh, whatever whatever elevate was doing <laughs> was just not was just not the right thing and nesk had a 1.0 cost which is ridiculous like you don't see you don't see 1.0 and above cost very often and the fact that nesk was able to achieve a 1.0 cost <laughs> is just is incredible um with the uh, the other enemy team having like 0.5 and 0.4. Can you explain cost real quick, just so that anyone who's new and following is trying to get into the data, they can understand? Oh, absolutely. So cost is an acronym. It stands for kills, objective, survivability, and trades. It, it takes it's it's a score that more accurately measures of more accurately measures like how good you are as a player instead of just looking at KD because obviously in siege. Your KD is not everything, and you know, despite what a lot of people say, you don't win rounds by you don't win rounds by just fragging, or or I should say, you don't win games by just fragging. 
Um, you know, it takes into account your objective, you know, like um, planning or defending or planning or denying is the objective part. Survivability is, you know, how many times you die. And then your trades is how many times um, your death resulted in a trade or how many, how many times you traded based off of a teammate's death. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So, um, so that's that's what it is. It kind of aggregates all that and puts into puts it into one score. So then that 1.0 really just means you were perfect across the board. There was no cause you you did not cost your team anything. Pretty much, yeah. That's rough. <laughs> that's rough. Yeah, yeah. And then let's see the next one. The last one for NA was uh, SSG and Luminosity. Um, I kind of, I was really hoping LG to do better. I, I really wanted LG to do better. Um, but SSG is just a really good team. Um, Rampy, Fultz, and Bosco are excellent players. And now that they picked up Canadian from EG as their IGL, um, it's just even more of a threat to everyone. So it's not surprising, or while it's not surprising that SSG won, I was really hoping uh, LG would perform a little bit better. You know, they came into Pro League, you know, they came into Pro League, you know, running. Uh, they just stomped everyone they came into contact with, um, and it took everybody by surprise. Uh, I think the, I think partially the reason behind that was is because, you know, they were a, a Challenger League team, and pretty much how you win Challenger League is is just to be hyper aggressive. You know, their whole team was super aggressive. Uh, they peaked everything, you know, they were no fear, um, and that's how they won Challenger League, and that's how they came into Pro, that's how they beat, um, you know, I forget which team they relegated, but that team, they they just, they were just aggressive towards that team, and um, destroyed them, and then came in, and usually, usually when a team gets relegated into Pro League, like, nobody has any information, because all the Pro League teams talk to each other. Um, you know, despite like some of the beef you might see online, uh, all the pro league teams, they're all friends with each other. Um, they all talk. So nobody actually had any info on, on luminosity gaming or 92 dream team as they were originally when they first came in before they got picked up by luminosity. What um, the name? They were winning. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure that's based off of the, uh, the 92 Chicago bulls. Yeah. It um, sounds like roughly. it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they came in, they did, you know, they were killing everyone. Um, and that's because nobody had any info on them. You know, most pro league teams, they're able to go watch VODs. They're able to go watch, um, you know, go talk to people, kind of see some analytics, but there was no info on 92 dream team at the time. And they just came in, they just wiped the floor with a lot of people. But then once they started playing those first two or three matches, Everybody kind of had some idea of how they played, and you know what do you, what do you know? Everybody started talking to each other, and after that, the next match they just they started losing. They went on a huge losing streak. Um, so you can you can you can really see where they finally picked up on how, on how they play during the season is because they went from a winning streak and then they just started losing, and then there was there was nothing after that. But I mean, that's kind of what you expect. I mean, if if they weren't if they weren't in the pro league to begin with and they just earned their way in, like 
they're going to be welcome to the club real fast. Like it's, it's going to hit them real hard. Like whether it's the a rookie wall kind of thing where your superstar just plummets and you lose all sort of momentum based off of their performance. Or if it's just like you're saying, the, the teams do due diligence and they do the research. They have the data suddenly pouring in. They have VODs to go over. They have uh, individual player data, just like this person likes to go here and sit on the spot, or like they play this specific mechan or operator device in this in this way. As soon as you start getting that history of repeated behavior, you're going to start tearing people apart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, people like uh, Christian over with Dark Zero, like he's going to be like, "Saw it, gotcha." And every yeah. time it pops up on the VOD, it's just going to be like, "Yep, I helped them with that." Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Um, I kind of want to backtrack here. I, I I missed these two matches that I wanted to talk about. Um, Shoot. Back on September 30th, NA teams. Um, TSM versus SSG. Now, that is a game that really surprised me. You know, I thought I thought SSG was going was gonna to wipe the floor with TSM. I really did. Um, oh yeah, no. I actually, mean, I was just looking at the data, and I'm like, well, this this seems kind of like your standard early morning NFL game where you just know what's going to happen. It's not a highlight match or anything. It's like, okay, here you go. But this seemed like a huge moment for TSM. Absolutely, you know, um, it w- it was incredible. Like T- TSM won seven two, which was. <laughs> it, I say it all the time, but it was surprising, you know. Like it I didn't expect, I didn't expect one for TSM to win and or two to win that badly. Um, either SSG is just really bad at Villa, or TSM was just that good at Villa. I don't, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a little bit of both. But um, looking at the uh, looking at the stats, so in the first half, SSG was in defense. Um, and they they went into the half at two three with TSM up by one, um, and then when they switched, I'm sorry, it was, I'm I'm looking at the data wrong. I'm sorry. So SSG won won two defense rounds, and that was it. So it looked like TSM they won three different three defense rounds, and then they came back, um, and just and just wiped the floor with with uh with SSG during the attack and won four in a row. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, when you look at it and you see, like, okay, you trade the first two rounds, you're still feeling each other out, but then TSM just put the pedal down, and they said, you're not going anywhere, there's no way you're coming back from this. And all of it was by elimination, like you kind of pointed out with another match, it's like, there there may have been plants or uh, attempts on the objective, but it all ended by bloodshed. Like, to get to that point, yeah. I, I hope that there was some attempts at retaking, but when I look at SSG's defense and just by elimination, by elimination, by elimination, and and the thing is, SSG lost Aviator Game Room three times in a row, or not in a row, but like three times. Three of their four defense losses were in one room. So now you have the question, why did they push that one room so hard? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, wait, which room are you talking about? Aviator game room, uh, rounds oh, yes. one, three, and five. Oh yes. Um, av- okay. The thing is, is Aviator and Games Room is actually kind of a difficult site to hold. Um, 
I don't know if anyone here is, you know, anyone listening has has played a competitive match, um, or actually even just ranked on Villa. You know, Ga- Aviator Games in the beginning was actually a really popular site, but everybody started to realize that that site is actually really difficult to hold um, unless your team can just get a lot of opening picks. Um, because once the once the enemy team starts putting uh, pressure on on those two rooms, it's 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 nigh it's nigh impossible to defend, um, especially when those walls get opened, because those walls are are connecting like right in like right in the middle, and then it you you can see through both sides like crystal clear. Um, right. So that's what makes it really difficult. And looking down at the stats for plant and disable, you can see that TSM actually was able to get three plants. So you know on three of those four um, attacking rounds, they at least got the bomb down and SSG... Yeah, um, Pojaman... <laughs> uh, you'll hear a lot of people say it, and you're going to hear me say it. Pojaman, he's he's one hell of a player. He's one hell of a support player. Um, he, he plays the bomb on attack, and he plays smoke on defense. He is... Probably one of the best smokes I've ever seen in the history of in the history of Siege, um, and he his his attack support is is incredible. You know, like you say, like you saw, he was able to get plant down three times. You know, <laughs> that's that's incredible. And he also has a one VX, which means he they probably won um, won a round because he was able to do a one V, you know, two or three clutch round. So. Which is also really good. I mean, your your support player running around with what was it, eight k, eight k, yeah, an eight eight and three. That's yeah, not too shabby. Yeah, especially as a support player, you know, if you're that positive, you're doing something right. Yeah, I mean, smoke. Like, I I don't know too many people who like to roam as smoke. So you're on site. You're your last line of defense to delay and everything. So. If he's still racking up three kills, I have to assume that most of that's coming off of Havana or just late game one or like one or two kills as defenders. Yeah, you know, and and to be honest, seeing a, a positive KD on a support player is is is, is doesn't happen very often um, because you know your your job isn't to frag. You know, your job is to to use your utility to help your team. And uh, if you have a positive KD, you're doing you're you're doing something right. Or you're actually not doing your job. It could be one of the two. If you're fragging out and not using your utility, you're a bad support player. But uh, you know, that kind of that kind of brings us back to, especially with like the KD and the whole um cost thing. Um let's let's go let's go let's take a look at, at EG versus Rogue. There's a really good example in here that I want to uh that I want to take a look at. Um so if you look at if you're looking at the scoreboard, you're probably thinking, how in the world, <laughs> how in the world did Rogue lose this when Vertical and Slashug absolutely fragged out? Three of their players had over had double digit kills, three of them, um, and and that honestly tells a huge story because. Like I said earlier, you know, frags don't win games, as you can see right here. They tied. That is a very telling scoreboard, and the fact this, that it's a tie. These two teams tied, and look at look at EG. Three of their players went 
negative five, negative six, negative seven on their their KD spread. Um, the reason behind this is is just because you get frags. There's a difference between a frag and an impactful frag, or an impact frag is what they call it. Um, you know, you could kill somebody, but it you know it, it's probably a player that doesn't mean anything. The reason that EG was able to come back and tie this up is because these guys these guys got impact frags. You know, look if you look at look at Young, he's got four he's got four kills, right? Four kills and yeah. nine deaths. But with those four kills, he was able to pull off two one VXs, which means he got two one V twos and won the round for them. Those are those are in those are impact frags. He won the round and he didn't he's not fragging out. Um Yeah. You know, no, same. I mean that's that's that is insane that the numbers can be so far skewed and the best that rogue has to limp away with a tie. Exactly. You know, I I I don't know I don't know what rogue was doing um during that match. Um <laughs> they had to have they had to have thrown a couple rounds because there's no way that two of your teammates can have 15 kills and you're not winning rounds. Um, they're probably, I, I don't know. Um, you'd have to go back and watch the match yourself to, uh, to get the full story. Um, but from a, from a uh, screenshot point of view, this tells a whole different story. So It looks like an absolute slugfest. Like, Evil Geniuses came out well with a bomb defuse and an elimination on attack, and then Rogue kind of answers back with their own string, but then... Rounds six in that second half, essentially, it just got ugly. Like, and Evil Geniuses just strung something together. They're the only ones who put something together back to back in that second half. So, I mean, either they didn't, either team didn't have a great read on the other. Oh, I mean, I think in this case, Evil Geniuses had a better read on Rogue than Rogue having a read on them just because it was. I, I thought it was a, a bit of an upset. I, I expected Rogue to do better, especially after watching the Reciprocity and Rogue match. Yeah. Uh, do you mind zooming in a little bit? Um, so, our, I, that did not zoom in. Bizarre. Huh, okay. All right. Um, we're on, if if you don't know, we're on siege.gg. Siege so if you want to go look at these stats for yourself, um, you're more than welcome to hop over that website. It's very easy to navigate. Uh, all the pro league stats, um, match results, stuff like that. Yeah, it's um, fantastic. Yeah, it's a great website. Um, but yeah, you know, I want to I wanted to talk about this some more. The the whole KD doesn't your KD doesn't matter in, in comp. You know, it's it's about what you do. Um, and that I kind of wanted to talk to the um, to the CR six guys that might be listening. Um, based on what I just said, like. Rogue fragged out, and they couldn't they couldn't secure a victory. So it's a, it's it's not about how many kills you get; it's about what you do with those kills. Um, and so don't if you're a support player, don't don't worry about it. If you're if you're one in six, you know as long as you're opening those walls or planting the diffuser or um, denying entry with smoke, like that's that's your job, you're, and you're doing it. You know it's it's a team based game, and so don't don't ever worry about how many kills you have and don't worry about your overall KD spread. Use your utility. Use your utility, people. Please. 
Um, <laughs> too many times I've been playing, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I see a smoke challenging, you know, a Monty or something, um, and he's still got all three smokes left. Like, why? See, Use that's why I backed, I backed away from playing smoke. I, I like get one, maybe two off, and it's like, yes, it was impactful, but I didn't cover that other doorway, and I just got killed because I was trying to trying to use that utility. So, I mean, yeah. at least be smart about it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, let's um, you know, we've kind of we've pretty much touched base on everything in pro league. So, uh, with that being said, let's let's hop over to uh. To collegiate, unless you have anything else to say about pro league, uh, just a couple points really. I'm going to put a clip in from the reciprocity road game into the podcast notes uh, that'll go out tomorrow or Saturday. Uh, just as a, a nice clip, it was of uh, Slasha getting the impact grenade downing to save the round at the last second. It was such an amazing play, and I can only like the announcers and the casters kind of alluded to this that. A previous C4 like glancing blow probably brought the Hibana down just low enough to where the, the impact grenade, if it was like right on target, was enough to down her. And just to see that, and then like one second later, time's up, defusal didn't go or diffuser didn't go down, it round over, and it gave Rogue such a strong start into that set um, that it just made that that whole second half all the more thrilling to go. Yeah, absolutely. I I actually do remember that play now that you bring it up. That that was that was pretty awesome. The other play from that match that I thought was really good, and I I apologize if I butcher who did it. I think it was Vertical who shot the C4 coming out of the garage hole that came right out of it. Like he broke through the door in into garage, and as soon as he did that, a C4 just comes flying out of nowhere and he shoots it out of midair, and it's just like. Wow, like that could have set the tone for the entire round because it was maybe 30 seconds in, and that was that was shut down quite literally. It was just really impressive to watch it happen. That 100% sounds like something vertical would do. <laughs> um, I've I've seen him do it before, and I'm not surprised if he did does it again. Um, just a couple of other notes: uh, TSM versus SSG. I thought that it was a huge showing for them. Um, and then Sonics and EG, I thought that was fun to watch. Like, I'm a huge fan of ties. I, I think that it, it leaves a little mystery left into that relationship as you move into uh, maybe the LAN situation or U.S. Nationals when you start having maybe some different rule sets here and there. And, like, it just it makes it exciting for me. Like, I love seeing SSG ties so much. I'm actually not a big fan of the whole tie system. Um, I know that they use ties to, like, separate the points a little bit more. Um but I, you know, I think I can speak for a lot of people when I say like, the tie system is just. I think I've heard the casters say it too. They they don't like the tie system either. Like it kind of leaves everyone like, it's like a cliffhanger, you know. Um, you kind of feel unsatisfied at the end of the match. You know, at least like you know if you watch a team, your your team lose, like, you watch them lose. You know, that's the end. You know, you know the result. But when it's a tie, it's like. I'm unsatisfied. Like, you, you know, you just ate half a burger or something. I, I, I guess it comes down to how the time, the tie came up. Like, if it's a neck and neck back and forth, yeah, you want to see a win. But if you come back from, like, worst case scenario where you're down, like, four or five rounds and then you can come back and clutch that tie, like, 
that's got to be such a good feeling for the comeback team, I guess. Uh, so I guess it is still really one-sided in terms of who gets the benefit from the tie, but I, I'm just a sucker for the cliffhanger, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Some people like it, yeah. Um, yeah, and then reciprocity coming out and just really turning around that reciprocity versus rogue round matchup on Monday. That was just that was really thrilling to watch. I, I like like I said, I like a good comeback or a good um sweep. Anything that's just kind of dramatic like that. It, it was good. And having come back and win like they wa- lost like three or four rounds in a row and then they came back six rounds straight. Like that that's just a showing of fortitude and trust in their team to come back around to it. So yeah, it it was a good good way to kick off Monday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh after that, like yeah, I don't have much else to say about Pro League. I'm going to catch up on the matches from Wednesday and I mean, just keep watching and keep tracking stuff. Like I'm still getting used to a lot of like room shout outs and tactics and overall strategies for things so this is a huge learning opportunity for me and i I, i'm hoping to pick up some more maybe you and i will have to stream some matches and show everyone how hard you can carry me (laughs) yeah we can do that uh moving on to the collegiate r6 side there hasn't been a whole lot going on like the season kicked off on sunday and so each of the teams have until end of day on saturday to get their matches in and recorded onto Battlefy. And now when you think about 210 teams competing, that's 105 matches, 100 or 210 different teams trying to schedule something that works. So I imagine some of it is going to take a while for the teams to get used to that schedule and getting coordinating with other teams to get that going. But of the 38 teams who had recorded their matches so far, one thing I noticed was that 20 of them have indicators in their name that they are not the individual team for their school. It looks like there's up to two or three teams. And, I mean, you mentioned A&M's school has four Rainbow Six teams. So, like, to speak to that, like, this is the talk of the growth of the scene, the growth of the game, and just how much Collegiate R6 is actually driving players to come out and play now, when we last week we talked about that the prize pool is big. Like we have teams buying in, so now you have teams spending literally hundreds of dollars. Schools putting in literally hundreds of dollars to try and compete for this. There is now substantial reason to support these players and try and earn back some of that that expenses. But uh, even from a not a monetary perspective, like. This is huge growth. This is huge to say that R6 is so big on college campuses across the country. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like you said, Texas A&M, they, we've, got, we've got four four teams now, A, B, C, and D, um, because of how much it's grown and so much interest has, has, um, has come about for Rainbow Six Siege competitive Um I think the the thing is is a lo- there's a lot of of siege players that we don't know about, and then when they find out that there is a collegiate league, now all these people want in, and uh, you know we're not gonna like turn anyone down, so we kind of just tell them to form new teams, and they do, um, and they've been really good good about it, and we have four teams now, and I think that's gonna be, I at least I hope so, it's gonna be our max. Um, so we have. 
We have three teams competing in CR6, and then our D team is actually competing in CEA, which is another um, collegiate league that's being ran. Um, we have them injected into into the CEA to kind of test the waters to see how. Um, as for the matches, there was a there's been a lot of matches that happened this past week. Um, there's not really much of a story to tell because um, a lot of these games are being played by the BC BC teams. Uh, you got a maroon team, you got a black team. Uh, you know, varsity JV. Uh, so yeah, there's all sorts of teams in here. Um, honestly, and some, a lot of them I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, I only know the main schools. Um, and even then some of the main schools that I've seen are new. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't really tell you about them either. Yeah. Most of these teams, I don't recognize most of them. Like I recognize Toronto, Norwich or Norwich, uh, Ole Miss, Actually, I don't know if it was Ole Miss Red. I think Ole Miss only had one team last year, so this might be the same roster. It might be a second roster. Um, I recognize some of the main schools that are there, but some of these are brand new to me, and it's just going to be starting to look into the data that comes out in the next few weeks. Uh, CR6 is actually putting together, I guess, a, a new tool or a new way of collecting data and so Syntax and I will definitely have more insight to talk about that as we have more data to play off of. But right now, CR6 is getting everything ready. This is the initial rounds. There's not going to be a whole lot of stories to tell unless we can track down individual key players from last year. But at this point, it looks like a lot of the teams haven't made their, uh, haven't put in their rounds yet uh, for this week. So this week goes until Saturday, like I said, and then Sunday we'll start up week two. So when we come back around to uh, talking next week, we will definitely be able to talk about the second half of week one rounds that came in and then start talking about the start of week two, just to see if there's anyone floating to the top of uh, coming out with interesting stories that way or whatever data shows up. Uh, from CR6, we can start digesting some of that, which I look forward to a lot. Um, just given, like you were saying, Syntax, like tons of players are coming out because they're competitive and they're really good at Rainbow Six. So this is going to be a great way of highlighting those people and those players because there is so much attention here. Uh, and I mentioned this last week, but if you're an observer or if you have experience observing, be sure to hit up the CR6 Discord so that you can reach out to some of the admin there and say, hey, you're interested in observing because they're offering some payment and compensation for helping them run this because 210 teams, if getting VODs means getting more attention for this league and the players here, I think it's absolutely worth it for them to help out and help grow that scene. And so far, they've done a tremendous job at joining at growing the league that if this is another tool in their tool belt to do so that if we really want CR6 to keep getting bigger and better this is how we do it and make sure that everyone's involved as much as possible yeah absolutely um and also in the coming weeks we me and me and uh joe here kind of have a, a small suspicion that they might start um uploading the the match vods uh, we'll see if that's true or not yeah, yeah, hope. Um, because they've been looking for, you know, like like Joe said, they've been looking for spectators. Um, 
and I know that they don't have enough casters to catch every single match. Um, so I think that they're. I think what's going on is they're having these observers go in and record the matches as, as if they were casting with just no commentary, and then they're going to upload these vods. So then we'll actually we'll be able to go watch them and then tell you about the matches and and uh, how these teams are doing. Um, because it's not like CGG. Like I can't go into the match and and uh, and look at the stats and you know see how everyone did individually as a player. So we have to watch the matches individually, and then uh, we can tell you about them. Uh, so hopefully that. Could you imagine casting 105 best of threes? Oh my gosh! <laughs> in a week. <laughs> yeah, in a week. Yeah. I hope that person doesn't have a job because. <laughs> It's gonna be casting day on day in day in out, or day in day out. Even actually, um, the way that the way that the matches go is they because you know it's a college it's a it's a college league you know everyone's in college, um, and so what they do is they give them a deadline, um, to when they have to play the match, and they actually have flexibility. So like, okay, we need you to do these matches this week, but just have it done by the you know, 10 p.m. on Sunday. Um, and so the the captains can get together and um, plan out uh, a good day and time uh, for everyone to get together. That everyone's going to be free, so they can play the match. And then and then it's reported, and then it gets um, recorded, and then put down. Um, actually, I think a lot of these teams have played matches, and it hasn't been put in here because of that. Um, so we're a little bit behind um, on actual matches. So it'll be better next week when we have a more accurate update. Yeah, and I mean, it's week one. Teams are getting their legs underneath them, and we'll start seeing, we'll be able to start looking at the rosters maybe a little bit more as we see some of the uh, individual teams that are returning from last year as like the only team from that school showing up. We'll be able to see that, and we can start looking for uh, historical data between season or the last season spring season and going into this season we can start making some conjectures for matches that are coming up yeah um another thing is is a lot there's a um a lot of the the high level teams from last season um and and i know you know my team or texas a&m um they're because they're in the grand finals they have the option to essentially go straight into the premier league so i think they invited a lot of these teams to um or not a lot of them. You know, some of them had the option of skipping phase one um, and going straight to phase two in the Premier League. So a lot of the the big teams aren't actually playing for like three more weeks. I think is when the Premier League starts, which is phase two. Um, so like my the you know Texas A&M B B and C team they're playing in here, um, but my A team they're not playing. They don't they don't even have their first match until um, like two or three weeks from now. Because they, they got to skip street to phase two. That's a nice so. prize for being in the league last year and doing really well. That's it's a nice break. You, you kind of get some more data on your potential opponents going into the Premier League, and you can kind of get ready and treat this absolutely. as like a real big prep season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, practice, um, do some research on the other teams. If they do start having the VODs, then uh, go watch the VODs. Look, see here your competition is um you know what i am surprised at is i've been actually checking cr6's twitch and they actually haven't done 
casted any matches yet, which I was kind of surprised about. I don't know if they're waiting until like phase two to start casting like the big matches in the Premier League. Um, I figured they would do like a, a Premier like cast on, on some team, you know, but uh, I haven't seen anything yet. So I'm going to keep checking on that. And... Yeah, no, they updated their Twitch page to be CR6 Premier. I thought I took that as premiering like this is the kickoff stream kind of thing but they could just be getting it ready for when the premier league kicks off and then that's when they'll start casting it with so many teams being figured out where they're at they like if they chose wrong on what match to cast it could just be a 7-0 blowout two maps in a row and like it's may not be good entertainment at that point this way when they get to the premier league they know that they're getting the cream of the crop yeah that is true that's true. That's also funny that you mentioned that because I got tricked by that earlier too. When, <laughs> when I went to the Twitch page, I saw the the premiere uh, thumbnail in the video, and so I was like, "Oh yes, they finally casted a match. I can watch something." Uh, but no, it wasn't. <laughs> so, any last thoughts before we wrap this up and get ready for more Pro League and CR6 this coming weekend? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that's just about everything. Um, collegiate teams do your best have some good matches we want some good stuff to report on there you go as usual I am Warlocker Call you can find me on social media pretty much every platform at Warlocker Call and Syntax I'll let you do your shout outs and sign off um, yeah you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at SyntaxGG uh, two X's and then just a GG at the end um, you can find me on Twitch, um, streaming Rainbow Six Siege, uh, ranked most of the time, at twitch.tv slash syntax underscore gg. And I actually have a YouTube channel where actually I make videos about how to help uh, Siege players get better. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, you can go to youtube.com slash syntax gg as well. There you go. Well, thanks everyone for stopping by and are taking a listen when this is out on anchor.fm slash the summoning hour check your six podcast segment uh we will see you all next week later everyone later